less and gore And sometimes a little more My Bloody Podcast <laughs> Hello everyone It is My Bloody Podcast time It's another week It's another day It's My Bloody Podcast Episode number 54, we're very excited and thrilled to be here. We're here to appease you and amuse you with horror movies of all types. And this week's show is a doozy. We will be talking about our main feature later on in the show, Night of the Comet from 1984. Holy shit. Can't wait. Uh, I'm Brian Kluger with Boomstick Comics and High Def Digest, and I'm just happy to be here with the person I would want to survive uh, a, a zombie apocalypse with, I believe. Preston Barta, you, you magnificent man, you. How are you? I'm doing well. We would uh, repopulate the earth together. Yes, we would. And oh my, I wish that was our question of the week. <laughs> <laughs> and how would this go about? And I, my mind's already working about hell. I we have like... all the time in the world to, to discover the secret. Yes. And uh, yeah, we have that background knowledge. Totally. <laughs> we have that knowledge. Y- you'll uh. be Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jr., Yes, Let's I will. Figure it out. I will carry that baby to term. Yes, I will. It's, will that make you Danny DeVito? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess so. Uh. I like it. <laughs> you could be a cross of his that character and then Frank from uh, from Always Sunny. I'm all in. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Got to be pure. You, you got to be pure. You are pure, good sir. Pure and bloody. This is how I like it. Uh, Preston, of course, from the Denton Record Chronicle and FreshFiction.tv. And this is My Bloody Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. We're happy you're listening. We've got bloody questions and bloody recommendations. And, of course, uh, we're going to start off with a bit of horror news in the horror realm uh, this week, let's, let's start out with a good, a good, a good fun new 4k release. Uh, Preston, I'm excited. I know we all got the press release in our email and we, I imagine we're both hell yes about this. Gremlins is coming to 4k ultra HD in October in time for Halloween and for Christmas. And yeah, I am super excited about this. This uh, this just looks great. And of course, they thought of Preston when they were doing this because there will be an exclusive mm-hmm. Steelbook version. Uh, so yes, um, it looks right now. Bonus features are not new to this release, but they are including a ton of mm-hmm. previous. Bonus features including two audio commentaries with the cast and crew, behind-the-scenes stuff, uh, motion comic, all sorts of all sorts of cool things. Preston, what do you think about this? Are you excited about it? Are you going to get the Steelbook version? What's the deal? 
I will get the Steelbook version because uh, I have a uh, Blu-ray copy, but uh, I would love to upgrade this. And if there's a Steelbook, uh, I would much rather own that. Um, but uh, I haven't looked at the artwork yet for the Steelbook, if it's available yet. I've seen the regular basic release, uh, which is fine. looks pretty cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I'd also like to the audio commentary with the late great dick miller i have not listened to that commentary yet yeah dick miller is uh is would be would be fun to fun to hear because if you've seen any uh any behind the scenes stuff with him like on youtube it's like it's it's gold solid Mm -hmm. gold so uh that that would be pretty cool, but yeah, you get yeah. There's quite a few uh, around October. They have quite a few good uh, 4K movies coming. I mean, we talked about The Shining. I believe they're doing Don't Look Now, um, which I I don't know if Best Buy is getting that one, but I subscribe to this European site uh, called Zavi, and um, I believe that's how you pronounce it. But um, they get really cool steelbook art and um post it and they well they release the movies too but uh for pretty good prices i have to say but the steelbook work for don't look now is pretty incredible you should look that up um i don't know when the release date is but i'm pretty sure it falls around this time so um but brian have you seen the steelbook work for the shining uh was that's not the one we talked about with like the no it's not it's 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 different i do love that one so now i kind of want to get both of them so i'm hoping i get a review opportunity to do the regular steel or regular 4k release and then get the steel book yeah so i'm looking at it right now and is it the yellow cover with the maze on it yes oh yeah that looks super cool that looks that looks unbelievably good. Ooh, so exciting opportunities if you're a collector, and then exciting opportunities if you just want good horror films on 4K. There you go. There, yeah, yeah. I uh, oh my god, yes. So yeah, Gremlins coming October first, 4K Steelbook and regular 4K UHD. I'm excited. Uh, hopefully, it's a good transfer and uh, you know looks looks good. So here's hoping. Yeah. Uh, moving on to a new bit of news. We've talked about this before because I believe we are both fans of Rob Zombie's uh, House of a Thousand Corpses and the uh, Devil's, Devil's Rejects. Rejects. So the third film in that series is coming very soon from Rob Zombie called Three from Hell. It's the sequel to The Devil's Rejects. And the trailer is coming in three days uh, for this movie, but they've been teasing a whole lot of images. We have a new picture of Sid Haig as Captain Spaulding. We've got Ron Howard's brother, Clint Howard, as a clown called Mr. Baggy Britches, uh, which looks... Mr. Nipples? Yes, yes. Uh, kind of kind of scary. Um, and of course, uh, you have Sherry Moon Zombie, Mill Mosley reprising their characters, as well as Danny Trejo, and uh, just... Barry Bostwick and Chaz Bono have also uh, been 
confirmed to be in this will this film as well as d wallace stone or just d wallace now really so yeah it is uh looking this movie looks to be released later this fall uh there is not exactly a release date yet but you could Best bet that I probably I'm all in. around October. Yes, and it's been rated R for strong, sadistic violence, language throughout, and sexual content, graphic nudity, and drug use. So basically, any uh, any they Rob just copy Zombie and paste that from all of Rob Zombie's movies, right? Because you know that's that's where he's going for this. But so talking about Three from Hell. So when House of a Thousand Corpses came out. That was kind of like his first feature film he did, and it was, it, it's good, it's well done, it's just kind of very music video-like, mm-hmm. uh, but fun. And then he did Devil's Rejects, and it was a whole new level of greatness. Like, it's very natural-born killers-like, and very sadistic, and kind of leaves out a little bit of horror to it, but kind of goes the strong violent route. And I was I, I'm a huge fan of that. So I'm hoping this movie is a, like a little mix of both. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I hope for that as well. Um, I, I mean, we, we've talked a lot on here about how Rob zombie hasn't really made too many great movies, uh, lately. Um, I kind of like Lords of Salem, you know, his Halloween films. I, like, and, so I, uh, I never it. saw 31. So I saw you like Lords what? Of, I liked Lords of Salem a lot just because it was like his his shining type Rosemary's movie. Rosemary's Baby kind of movie, yeah. Yeah, it was very slow burn, very uh, methodic, and a very very slow pace, but very psychological, and it it worked very well. And then Thirty One was just over the top, silly, ridiculous. Do I did I enjoy it? Yeah, but it's not one I'm going to go back to. It was like just, okay, people, crazy clown, warehouse, kill, repeat. It is basically that. Yeah, I think he's just kind of filling out like what kind of director he wants to be. So maybe after all of those experiments that he did, he, you know, he's going back to the stuff that where he really thrived. And so I'm very hopeful that this one will be a good film for him because I, I, I would love for him to succeed again um, and uh, start making uh, great films again. Yep, I agree. Uh, so, yeah, look out. We'll probably talk about it next week, a Three from Hell trailer, because we've been excited about it. Uh, so, yes. Speaking of trailers, did you see the most recent uh scary stories to tell in the dark uh i have not yet i know it came out but i have not seen i've seen all those little clips of the like the different uh stories did you mm-hmm. watch it i did and, and it looks it looks great um yes, i can't wait. i liked the first trailer and this one uh just has me even more excited i love all the the imagery it just seems like exactly what i would want from uh, this adaptation, and so I'm very excited about it. Good, good, yeah. Because the, the, if you have Guillermo del Toro kind of heavy-handed on the film uh, with kind of a new director, this just—I mean, the trailers at least—they look unbelievably creepy. But yes, they're also kids' stories. But what Guillermo del Toro does is like he takes children's fantasy stories and makes them 
you know, yeah. scary and for you know adult like, and he doesn't dumb it down for them. So it looks like this movie, uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, which we all read at the book fairs in elementary school. Uh, I think that mm-hmm. I think it's going to be done well. I like. I hope. Yeah, I hope so too. Yeah, I can't wait. That's online as well. So let's move on. Let's talk about uh, the new Annabelle movie. And because Annabelle comes home, the third Annabelle film in the Conjuring universe, which comes out this summer, is looking better and better every day. Just because it looks like, oh God, we're throwing everything in. Everything you saw in the Warren's crazy room of relics looks like it comes alive and it looks like there's a brand new evil villain uh called the bride in a wedding dress and uh she wants to kill you and this looks scary as hell what do you think man yeah um wb released this um like 360 type of tour of the the warren's uh haunted room of artifacts and uh one of the things that they showed was the bride i believe uh the bride was uh shared like probably back in april they were talking a little bit about it but um yeah it's it's another thing that they hope uh takes off and creeps people out so they can uh add to this universe um and uh I think it's the, the the image of it is makes me think of Insidious with the with the 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 lady that's wearing like all the black that's like dressed like as if she's going to a funeral. Um, so it's kind of hinting at that. But um, there's a couple of movies I watched in uh, college for a horror class. You know, uh, one based on mannequins and they're creepy. And so I think it's. Uh, a good avenue to go down to uh, creep people out pretty easily if they tease it just enough to where they don't overkill it, but like do it in such a way that they did the nun in Conjuring 2. And uh, given how good this one, Annabelle Comes Home, looks, um, it seems like it's going to be probably the best one out of the Annabelle films. And so I'm uh, super stoked for it and I'm ready to be creeped out and learn more about each of these artifacts, which is just going to be a pool of opportunity for them to just keep on making these movies. Um, because, uh, I mean, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot to tell and, uh, I, I hope that they like keep it, more minimal than they have been going because uh or they find new ways to make them unique because i was not a fan of la yorna and it seems like they're probably gonna get another another stab at the nun to try to make that better so uh they're, they're learning uh they're figuring it out and so i i am also very hopeful about this one yeah i i agree uh what this bride is it looks like um the Bloodstains, the bride's dress has bloodstains on her dress, and this bride stabs her groom to death, and this creepy haunted bride has uh, basically convinced other brides to commit murder before the wedding day. So uh, I'm I'm excited about this. (laughs) Yeah. So is it the dress, or are they actually going to make the mannequin a part of it? 
Um, I think they might make the mannequin because the mannequin looks like it comes to life, but it looks like the or like the dress because I guess whatever bride puts on the dress, it happens. I don't know. I don't know how they're mm-hmm. gonna do that. But this is part. I mean, I think you can make a whole movie on this just because it sounds fun. Yeah, I just like to see how that unfolds. Put the dress on. Put it on. Put put it on. So there you go. Uh, yes, Annabelle comes home. Comes out this month, June twenty sixth. So hopefully we'll be getting so a screening quick. of that very soon, and we can tell you about it. So yes, there you go. Uh, moving on, let's talk about our uh, our good guy, our our favorite good guy, our our friend to the end, Child's Play, Chucky. There are new little TV spots and trailers that give a little bit more of Mark Hamill's voice as Chucky. What do you think? Uh, It sounds more and more like the Joker. Right? I mean... Um, So, uh, I guess that's fine. I I was still just kind of hoping that it would just be a little little more... I don't know, a little different, but it's uh, the more uh, words he's uh, putting out there, it's just sounded more and more like uh, the Joker, which uh, it's a very sinister voice. But um, for those who are super familiar with the Batman animated series or who played any of the Arkham games, um, I I wonder if it's going to be a bit of a challenge to kind of separate ourselves from uh, that material and try to just be scared by his rendition of, of Chucky. So I don't know. I'm, uh, I feel like we're, you know, we've been saying it every week that there's uh, stuff to be excited about. And then there's stuff where you're like, I'm still not, I'm still not sure yet, but uh, it's getting each week. We're getting closer and closer to finally saying, you know what? It's done. We've done it, and uh, this is how we truly feel. <laughs> right. So I, I'm curious. Do you think they will actually screen it for us? Uh, I think so. Um, I, yeah, I hope I hope they do. Um, I don't know. They got a lot of good talent involved, and it seems like there's a lot of good hype going. So I don't, I don't know. And, and producers of the it behind it. So maybe there's just something that they're not really revealing. Um, so yeah, I'm, I uh, I hope they do that. I hope they screen it. There you go. Yeah, I hope uh, I I hope they do too. So uh, mo- hopefully our next few news items is not us going. Yeah, I hope I hope and <laughs> uh, we 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 would rather it be like I can't fucking wait for this. Yeah, yeah. So. Need to drink my coffee. We'll see. Uh, Moving on, so if you're in the comic book world, you know, there has always horror comics, and DC Comics is no stranger to the horror, bringing horror to their superheroes. And recently, there is a new horror book that features all of the DC superheroes. It is called Deceased. Get it? Yes, Deceased. And... Mm -hmm. Uh, the second issue is out right now, and I believe 
you might want to be getting these uh, stories on comic book form because they're they look excellent and the artwork's excellent. Preston, being an artwork fan, I think you might want to frame some of these because at least this issue number two, they have uh, taken the original movie poster of Nightmare on Elm Street and put it through this comic book. But Deceased uh, takes place in the universe of DC and in Gotham where a crazy virus infects the world uh, through network screens, phones, computer screens that has everybody trying to rip off their own flesh and kill people. Pretty crazy. Uh, in the second issue, you have Batman as Freddy Krueger and Poison Ivy as Nancy uh, from Nightmare on Elm Street. And it looks unbelievably cool. So, uh, yeah, basically the Justice League kind of has to stop this virus that's going around and before humanity is gone. It looks really cool. Why can't we get this movie? Why can't we? I mean, this look, this just sounds unbelievably good. What do you think? I'm sure it'll happen in time. Um, so. yeah. You don't read comics, do you? No, of course I don't. <laughs> of course, of course I don't. You're missing out. Oh, man. Oh, Preston, if you read Crossed, a six-issue series, you would love it. <laughs> it's insane. Horrific. But, yes, DC's coming to, or out in stores now. Get it. Monthly comic for six issues. And then moving on to another bit of news, Blumhouse is trying to do a another horror movie based off that toy magic eight ball that you shake up and you ask it a question and it says, not likely, or very likely, or yes. It looks like Blumhouse is trying to uh, make a horror movie into that, and I just don't understand how that's going to work. What do you think? Um, I mean, if they're going to have the director of Truth or Dare behind it, um, probably probably not going to be good. It's going to be one of those uh, throwaway kind of Blumhouse movies, unfortunately, or at least that's what I believe it will be. Um, I'm sure. I don't know. Like, there's there's a lot of, that you could probably do with a, a Magic 8-Ball kind of premise, um, but... I don't know. I just feel like it would just wear out its welcome pretty quickly. Yeah, I feel like it'd be maybe a good short film, but I don't know how they would. I really, I, I mean, because I guess a Magic Eight Ball is more or less in the same vicinity as a yeah. Ouija board, but a Ouija board is scarier and can do more things. So I, this Magic Eight Ball, I have really no idea where where they're yeah, going to go with this. I can, can imagine the meeting's probably like, all right, guys, so all we need to do is make this probably like 79 minutes long. So let's do half of it. It's just like, you know, a shitty kid's teenage party and they're having fun. They're saying stupid shit. And then we bring in the eight ball. Some kid brings it in and then bad stuff starts happening. There you go. <laughs> it's Jumanji, but horror without The Rock yeah. and Kevin Hart. Yeah. <sighs> so... I mean, I have faith in Blumhouse. They 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 rarely do something terrible. And you've got to think, you know, looking at past stuff like Battleship or 
you know, movies like that that are based off of toys? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> In the Magic 8-Ball, I really... I, uh, I don't know what to think, Preston. I'm at a loss for words. I don't know. I feel like uh, Blumhouse is more half and half uh, in terms of like delivering something that's really exceptional. I hear Ma is really great. Um, at least, for, uh, you know, like I mentioned last week with James Cole Clay, really liking it. Um, so uh, maybe I don't know. It's hard to say. It just seems like this one is like uh, opportunity for them to just like making a make a lot of them. Uh, right off the bat kind of like with the um unfriended like it's just it's the it's a kind of premise where they can just keep going with them which uh with ma i'm not entirely sure um it just seems like one that where they could just do one and uh see if it's going to be a success and then they can kind of just keep going from there um but but i guess uh, uh happy death day was uh, an opportunity for them to do something like that too. And that those movies are great. So, uh, yeah, it could be their, their chances of success are like them shaking the eight magic eight ball themselves. Yeah. Outlook, will this, not will this so be good? good? I don't know. <laughs> oh my. Well, we'll, we will update you as more info comes on that aspect Preston are there any other blu-ray releases 4k releases or other news you wanted to mention yeah um yeah there's a couple of things um so speaking of Blumhouse just yesterday uh Jamie Lee Curtis took a meeting with uh Jason Blum and the quote is they're discussing stuff which means they are discussing a uh Halloween sequel or the fog so, remake <laughs> true uh but i doubt it uh, i i think they they will have better luck of creating a sequel for halloween which uh i'm i uh you know i've already said my opinion about the new halloween on here but i i like the idea of somebody else kind of coming in because uh, uh, i believe david gordon green's not going to be back and uh Dave mcbride's not going to be writing it um, so, um, I, I like the idea of, it's kind of like, um, the force awakens and then having somebody like Ryan Johnson coming in to just really take it in a new direction. So, um, now that we got like that basic story kind of out of the way, uh, let's see what kind of fun we can really have here. And so, um, I imagine Jamie Lee Curtis is going to have a lot of, input on the direction of her character which is ex exciting um she really loved the idea of her character dealing with trauma in the last one so uh i'm interested to see uh where how she will evolve and grow from here so uh it's 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 exciting that they're they're doing this um um so i i hope something will happen and i don't doubt that it will that it won't yeah, no, I the the success of that last Halloween movie, of course, they they should make a sequel. Makes sense. I'm just hope everybody will be on board again. Um, and like Danny McBride, if he comes back, I, like I have no idea where to think. Yeah, if they I, get I, I don't. Carpenter. I don't think he. Yeah, they're not coming back. Um, but I hope 
that with this story that they bring, like you said, bring the cast back. Cause I'm not a huge fan of when, uh, these Halloween sequels like kill off one of the characters in the first 10 minutes. And then we're like, well, what the fuck? Um, and then it just becomes a, a pretty terrible or basic. Um, so I just feel like there's, it could be really cool to have three generations coming together to uh, kick ass and just see how, how the hell Michael's going to come back from being burnt. Um, um, so yeah, we'll see. He, there, there will be, oh God, if there's a skin grafting scene, oh my goodness, how crazy would that be? Just make yeah. his face literally look like the mask. Or the burning. Oh yes, oh my. I like that movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, that's good news. Let, we'll, we'll, let's, let's see where they go with yeah. it. And maybe, hell, they might have just Jamie Lee Curtis doing other horror movies too. True. That is true. And she did get her uh, action figure as um, her character from Halloween. And so uh, that's out there. So that could have been just about that. But uh, given that uh, Jason Blum says discussing things, I'm sure he's just wanting to get us all excited and speculating. And so I'm sure it it is related to Halloween. But in other news, uh, Brian, you're going to love this one. And maybe you've uh, seen this news. But do you know how long Midsummer is going to be? Yes, I did see that. I saw that it's going to be over two hours. <laughs> yeah, two hours and 20 minutes, making it 13 yes. minutes longer than Hereditary. Oh, um, yes. So uh, there's very few directors out there that I get excited about when they release their runtime, like Christopher Nolan. Tarantino. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely Tarantino. So, yeah, there's just like certain directors out there. And even though we've only seen hereditary from ari aster hereditary made quite a splash and was one of the best horror films in in the past decade um so uh and given that we're both very excited about midsommar um that i yeah i love the idea of it being over two hours uh so bring it on yeah no bring Um, it on i'm the same way with preston and usually i'm just like oh fuck two and a half hour movie but then with stuff like this you're just like please be over three hours please i just want to sit (laughs) in the theater and enjoy this yeah like even uh i got excited about once upon a time in hollywood um I, i believe it was over two and a half hours or something like that um when it played at can but now tarantino wants to make it even longer i don't know if that's some sort of response to all that uh negative uh feedback he got from some reporters saying that um margot robbie doesn't have a lot of uh, screen time or it doesn't have a lot of scenes of dialogue so i don't know but uh i get more excited about his films getting longer uh because they it seems like Every minute counts in his films. And so uh, I loved every minute of Hereditary. And they're shot well. They, they're scary. The characters are are very well developed. And um, so, yeah, I'm excited about uh, it being two hours and 20 minutes. And yeah, so a lot wait. of good horror films coming out this summer. And uh, they, in addition to that Midsommar thing, they released a new poster for the film. New promo mm-hmm. poster, yeah, <laughs> which was basically uh, 
similar to yeah Coachella lineup, Coachella concert lineup, and how that's listed with all the bands on each day. But with Midsommar, it looks like, oh God, this is what to expect in this movie. Yeah. (laughs) Cut open your body, you know, stuff like that. It's like, oh my goodness, which that that was fun. That that I like it. Yeah. So. Um, and there's two movies I wanted to discuss uh, real quick, uh, real quickly. Uh, one of them is I Am Mother, which is releasing on Netflix uh, this Friday. Um, and uh, we talked about it a little bit before. I, I, I described it as being something like a low-key sci-fi that's kind of like Moon or Ex Machina. Um, it, it involves... Um, a robot, think uh, Hal from 2001, A Space Odyssey, but moves around kind of like the robot in Moon. Um, just looks like a, a giant, I, I, just, I think I described it as uh, the the eye, kind of the eye of it, the face of the thing kind of looks like a, those uh, advanced doorbells with cameras on them. Um, but uh, the, the voice of the robot character, mother, the titular mother, is uh, by Rose Byrne, played by Rose Byrne, or I guess voiced by Rose Byrne. And uh, the the movie takes place pretty much entirely inside this facility, and you don't. It, it's like um, Tin Cloverfield Lane, uh, being just immediately stuck in that cellar or that whole place underground, and then just kind of wondering like what the hell is actually going on out there or, or is um, the people who are there, which is just one girl um, in the beginning of the movie, we see Rose Burns robot character uh, bring, have like all these like babies, like these little embryos. And uh, she decides to uh, make one of them alive or become a, an actual person. So has a daughter, and so just this, it's about like the first half of the movie is her raising this daughter, and then uh, uh, spending all this time together and learning about the uh, the world from this robot, and then reaching a certain point in age, and just wondering like what's really on, what's going on out there, and then um, Hilary Swank's character, who's from the outside world, comes knocking on the door. And then this girl lets her in and it just uh, chaos ensues from there. Um, so uh, the, the build up to it, like I expected, was going to be was good. Um, I enjoy these, these kind of quiet space, low key space movies. Uh, this one doesn't take place in space, but it's a sci fi movie where you don't know exactly what's going on. It's kind of like high life. Uh, most recently from a 24, you're just like, you have no idea what's going on from the outside world. You're just kind of dropped in the situation. You just kind of figure it out as you go along. Um, but as you figure things out, uh, it's not that it's not that satisfying. Um, I wasn't pre- I wasn't pleased with the way that it turned out. Uh, it just didn't really, um, line up with my expectations i I was really wanting to be something explosive um it's kind of like one of those things where you look at the trailer and you're like oh man i really wonder where this where this goes i kind of have an idea um and then you see it and then it could either just completely align with what you thought and you may walk away from that even though you're excited about it uh being like uh well it's exactly what i thought it'd be it was fun 
this one, it tries to be different and I just was not on board with it. So, um, I, you can check it out for yourselves, but, uh, I, I got pretty bored by it by the end. Uh, it's just, it just really didn't amount to anything exceptional. So that is I Am Mother, and it's going to be on Netflix. Uh, the other one uh, kind of hop in genres a little bit, but uh, Dark Phoenix. Uh, this movie is getting eaten alive by critics out there. It's currently at like 22% on Rotten Tomatoes. And it's one of those cases where, where I feel like I just saw an entirely different movie from everyone else, or they're walking into it just wanting to hate it from the get-go. I, I don't know. Um, but I had such a great time with it. I, I admit that it's very messy, but I do not believe it's dull, and I don't believe it's shit like everybody else's uh, seems to be labeling it. Um, I, I felt like it had some of the best action that I've seen in any of the X-Men movies. It has a lot of great fan moments, kind of like on the same level as that Darth Vader scene in, uh, at the end of Rogue One, where you're just like... Oh my God. Yes. I've been wanting to see him do this for a long time or to see this character do this. And everybody gets every character in this film, uh, gets their moment to flex and, uh, uh, principally, uh, Magneto, like Magneto, who's always been my favorite character of the entire franchise, uh, either in McKellen playing him or Michael Fassbender. And I love Michael Fassbender as Magneto because he is just outperforming everybody in in these movies he's just like an you know he's an oscar type of like winner type of guy uh he should be an oscar winner and uh he brings such an intensity and uh you believe him and all his emotions and um so just to see him do stuff like pick up a train and then crush everybody inside it and then fling it throw it it's just incredible to see there's so um i recommend it um everybody else says uh don't see it don't bother but i just had a good time with it i don't know if if i just don't take these movies as seriously as the marvel films and if people are expecting to take it uh this new one as serious as a marvel film but i never have like these movies the timeline is just all over the place makes no goddamn sense um and uh uh, like the idea of Michael Fassbender, who's 42 years old, and this movie takes place in 1992. And if you know the storyline, the dude is a Holocaust survivor. So him looking like a 40 year old in the 1990s is uh, just baffling. So like from that, you should just be able to know that don't don't take these movies seriously. Do not try to connect them to one another, even if they try to make you connect them or accept that they're all part of the same thing. They're not. Um, so I just take each one as their own individual film. They're loosely connected and I just have fun with them. Uh, I did not like apocalypse, but I did like this one. And a lot of people are saying this one is the worst one. I do not believe that. So you, so, you, you hit the nail on the head there. Cause I haven't seen it yet, but you know, I, I was talking to you or I was talking to somebody and I really wanted, like you, like you said, that Darth Vader scene from Rogue One but with Magneto just because, like, we haven't gotten that yet. We've seen him do some crazy shit, but I really want a scene of him, like, walking down somewhere with a lot of people using his powers for terrible reasons. I don't know. I was smiling throughout so much of the movie. I mean, there's, like, a, there's some dumb shit. There's some, like, awkward 
dialogue scenes, like the romance between uh, the young actors isn't that great, but the intensity is there. And when the actions go in and, and I believe a lot of these action scenes are reshoots because it, it tested terribly last year, supposedly. And so they did some reshoots. And so if these are the reshoots, they're incredible. I mean, that Darth Vader scene from Rogue one was a reshoot and it was awesome. So, um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know why people aren't liking it. And I, I know that there's a lot of, like deeper cuts talking about how the the female characters are just kind of serving the male characters and it's all about the male characters egos and shit like that and um so i don't know i think there's more going on than just stuff like that uh uh i think this movie does a pretty good job of just showing you the consequences of lying to people um, it may sound so minute, but, uh, the movie does a really good job at it. I don't, I don't know. I, I found myself more emotionally involved, uh, in this film than I have been in a lot of these, except for Logan. But, uh, I'm talking about strictly about just the X-Men movies, but I had a good time with it. And, and Brian, I think you should check it out sometime. No, um, I definitely, I've and, seen all the X-Men movies and I'm definitely going to check this out. So, so. Uh. I'll, t- I'll take, so there we go. I'll take that. Um, and before we move to our bloody question, I have a movie I want to bring up to that I watched uh, as well. The movie comes out this Friday in select theaters, and it will be available on digital on demand anywhere on June 7th, which is Friday. Uh, the movie is called The Child Remains. You see it? Mm-hmm. Uh, I have not seen it, but I've seen uh, uh emails about it okay so i watched it and it's directed by a guy named michael melsky and it stars you know some people you may or may not have seen there's nobody like really big in the film uh that you would immediately recognize but so this is a horror film based on a true story and this is a product of where the story the true story is actually way super insanely dark and tragic and horrific and the movie version this adaptation uh they just didn't get it right they got some things like it's it's capable it's the, the shots are good the filmmaking is good acting performances are you know par basically but uh the the execution of this slow burn, it just kind of doesn't know what it wants to be. However, if you're not familiar with this true story, I'm going to tell you a little bit about it. So the movie is about uh, this place called the Ideal Maternity Home, and it took place in Nova Scotia. It's a real place. And in the 1930s through World War II, there was this married couple who told everybody that they were a doctor and a midwife and a chiropractor who helped women who were unwed and single uh, give their kids up for adoption or take care of them if they were not wanted. Well, that wasn't really the case. They, th- This couple, this sadistic couple, would charge these women back then like 500 to like $2,000 to do this, to have the baby and take care of it. So all seems well and good, right? Nope. So after the wife or the the woman would give birth, they would keep the kid and they started a child, uh, like a 
child sell ring, like they would sell children for high prices to people. If the child went unwanted after a couple weeks, or if the child was born with defects, they would horrifically, horrifically kill these kids by burning them in a furnace, starving them to death, poisoning them, or just straight killing them, and then dumping their bodies if they were not burned in the backyard or in butter boxes, which were old school milk wooden boxes from the grocery store. And there's a whole thing about Butterbox Babies. So that's what this movie is based on. It takes place present day, though, because in real life, this couple got caught but were not convicted. And they turned this maternity home into a hotel where they kept doing the same thing. So this movie, The Child Remains, it takes place where a young couple's going on a vacation for a quiet weekend and they end up in this hotel which was the former place of the maternity home. And then creepy stuff starts to happen. And I'll tell you, like, I'm on board with this film for like 20 minutes because there's some really creepy stuff in here. But then it just goes off the rails and just, oh, it does not succeed in scares or horror or really where story-wise it wants to go. Uh, so I would say if you're really curious give it a shot, but I'd say pass this and just kind of read uh, the book this movie is based on, um, which is a 1992 book by Bell or Betty Cahill. Uh, it's called The Butterbox Babies, and uh, I think you'll be better suited in reading that. But the, again, the true story is much, horrific, much more terrifying than... Uh, that this actual movie, The Child Remains. But if you're curious, it is out on digital on demand. Preston, uh, you should read about that. It's uh, it's pretty crazy. Sounds good. Uh, yeah, I was interested when I was reading through the email about it, but uh, I wasn't entirely sold on wanting to watch the film, but uh, I'm glad I didn't make the, the jump to do that. Um, I did see that Atlanta's, uh, or I guess also uh, Child's Play, uh, Brian Tyree Henry is in talks to co-star in the Quiet Place sequel. Yeah, I just so, saw that. There so you go. I think that, and, and then uh, the Stranger Things uh, soundtrack is going to be available in uh, July 5th on CD and cassette, and then July 26th uh, on vinyl. There you go. So uh, if you're a big fan of 80s music and uh, all the cool score stuff that they do on that show, then that's one to get. It's good stuff. I think that wraps up our news section. Uh, yep. Let's move on to my bloody questions. In line with Night of the Comet, our bloody question, where we ask a question, horror-themed-wise, uh, we answer it, we bring it over to Reddit and see what our good listeners over on Reddit have to say. This week, the question was, if the world was wiped out by a zombie-infected space comet, but you survived, what would your daily process be like? Preston, I'm curious. Um, I'd like to give a fun one, but at the same time, uh, if I was really in a situation like this, the whole idea for me would to be do anything that I can to keep my sanity. And a lot of survival films, one of my favorite uh, survival films lately is the movie The Arctic with Matt Mickelson. And I just like the idea of them creating a routine for themselves um, 
as a way to you know he he goes and like stacks rocks and creates like a, a SOS kind of sign and just does all these little things uh, to and he talks to himself does puzzles and uh, like as if he's like playing Sudoku all day long or, or Scrabble. Um, so it'd just be probably stuff like that, but I would, uh, because I just know myself and I'd be constantly paranoid. I've seen a lot of these kind of horror movies and I know that, uh, I would just be constantly paranoid, uh, that somebody out there would be watching me. Maybe there's cannibals out there. I don't know. Um, so I would just do everything I can to, uh, keep myself alive, keep my sanity intact, and then try to find other people out there. But I know that I would probably, you know, hit up the mall, maybe uh, break into Movie Train Co. and uh, check out the Steelbook section. <laughs> stuff like God that. Damn, even so. in the apocalypse, he's like, Steelbooks, man, Steelbooks. <laughs> yep. You make me laugh, sir. Yeah. You make Show me laugh. off my collection to nobody but myself. Yeah, he's going to be buried with it. <laughs> yeah. I like it, sir. I like it. That's what I kind of thought. I have to keep myself busy or else I'll go insane. So my daily process would be like, <laughs> uh, I would do daily morning calisthenics. Um, I would, uh, to keep, to keep fit and I would practice ax wielding and ax throwing just in case I'd have to, uh, get it's down. It's gotta dirty. be John Wick, you know? Yes. And then I would make, one dozen Boston cream donuts for breakfast. and <laughs> It's a good way to stay fit, you know? Yeah, well, I, I feel like I'm running and doing shit all the time. And then I would uh, probably watch a movie marathon of some sort, perhaps Evil Dead. And then I would go out after watching this and try to make the most creative daily zombie kill that I could, you know, to pass the time. And then for dinner... I would try to find a steak somewhere with another boss, another dozen Boston cream donuts. <laughs> that would be my daily routine. I really thought about it, uh, <laughs> and that's what it would be. Now, if Preston and I were together on this mission, I feel like there would be more things we could do. So, yes, let's bring the question to Reddit. We only got a couple answers here. I don't think people really wanted to think that hard, but um, W-A-U-W-Y said, probably like Hatchet or Brian's Winter, that food's not going to last forever and gasoline goes bad in a year. I don't know what that means to the question, but that's what they put. Uh, Go find those things. Yes. Uh, yeah. Bad Tickle Elmo said, for me, it would be lots of reading books and masturbation. Actually, I don't know if I would even notice seeing as how that is my life now. <laughs> All right. All right. So reading books and masturbation. Uh, let's see. What else? What has this podcast come to? What did it happen? Uh, Naga Guy said, grow a farm and smoke weed. <laughs> that was... Naga guy. If you're going to slowly die, do it in style. And then Peppery Slump 1234. His answer is probably just like his name, a Peppery Slump. He says, Guess I'd just die. What's the point of living in that sort of world? <laughs> 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 so, uh, 
So, uh, not the answers we were looking for, but hopefully if you, uh, if, if you're listening, email us at mybloodypodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on one of the social media channels and let us know what your daily process would be if you were in a zombie-infected world by a space comet. Hopefully James Cole Clay will give a shout-out next week of what he would have done. Yeah. Come on, people. Like, you can create, like, you can be like Kevin McAllister and make like all these kind of booby traps and just dedicate a whole day to creating this one. And then just it's a premise for a good comedy, a horror comedy doing something like that. And then being like, uh, like one of them fails or something like it. Like, God damn it. I spent a whole fucking day making that goddamn trap and it didn't work. So, uh, I don't know. There's, uh, there's so much to do. Okay. So thanks for the bloody questions, and now we're on to bloody recommendations, where we give you a vintage or new horror film or TV show that we just want you to watch because it's good. Uh, So bloody recommendation time. I'm going to go first this week. Uh, Preston, I hope you've watched this. If not, I hope you will watch this as soon as this weekend. Uh, the, my bloody recommendation is the new Netflix TV show, Black Summer. Have you seen it? I have not. Oh, God. So, there is a new Netflix show called Black Summer, and it's a zombie apocalypse show. And I know you're thinking, oh, God, another zombie show. Boo, we've seen it already. You haven't seen this. And I went in with that mentality because there's only so much Walking Dead. There's only so much zombie movies. And next week, I believe, we're going to be doing a zombie feature presentation as well. Uh, but Black Summer, oh my, finally, we, we get something that's great and fun. And, well, is it fun? No, it's scary as shit is what it is. Uh, Black Summer is a new show with eight episodes in its first season, and it's created by Carl Schaefer and John Hyams, who created the TV show, the hit TV show on sci-fi called Z Nation, which is a zombie show, but it's more of like a comical zombie show. Uh, But this has no way relation with uh, that show. This is as straight, scary as all fuck zombie show and it takes place about four weeks into the zombie apocalypse and it's called black summer because it takes place during the summertime in basically right now i've only seen four episodes of it out of the eight but it looks to take place all in a very small uh very small suburban town to a big city and how it's told is simply terrifying. Out of the four episodes I've seen, which are about 45 minutes long, uh, they there's maybe 10 pages of actual dialogue. And there's a lot of tracking shots that go on for like 10 minutes. So the camera work is unbelievably good. And you kind of go in and out with these characters, different parts of this small town and what they're dealing with, with zombies or uh, people. And so the last episode I watched, uh, or the last two episodes I watched were episodes three and four, where a group of the like three survivors, four survivors head into a high school that seems uh, abandoned and 
oh my, that it's one of the tensest, most suspenseful things I've seen. Uh, because oh, I never want to go into a school again. Uh, this you need you need to watch this if you're a fan of zombies and you're bored with the zombie genre. Now, Black Summer is going to uh, re reignite that passion for zombies for you. It is that good. And good God, Preston, watch at least the first episode because you're going to be like, holy shit, this is good. Cool. So yeah. go Black Summer on Netflix, please. It, it, I Highest recommendation. Ooh, my. Uh, it's, it's not so much about uh, the goriness of it because there is gore in it but it's more of like there's just like these situations these real life situations and not like walking dead this i think this is more realistic because it's like happening right now like this is the start of it and just trying to see people get away from it and run and try to like do things you would actually do is like insane and uh the zombies in this you know you get bitten or you die within five seconds you're zombie so uh and they run fast and they don't stop good stuff that's my recommendation preston barta you sir um mine is uh you could argue that it's a horror film um Tim Burton's Batman Returns, man. Um, Danny DeVito scared the shit out of me as a kid, uh, as the penguin, biting off people's noses, eating cats. There's some weird fucking shit in that movie. Uh, Super terrifying. It was as if uh, Warner Bros. was like, all right, Tim Burton, we're just going to let you make the movie that you want to make. We're not going to get involved at all. And he got to do that, and it's a super weird movie. It is. Uh, uh, Danny DeVito <laughs> went super Judaic Passover style with that, him wanting to kill the it, firstborn. <laughs> yeah, he's just slimy and disgusting. Like the the role is so appalling that my wife hates that movie, and that one's my favorite Batman movie. Oh, it is. It's so good because it recently came out on 4K, and yeah. just watching it again, seeing Danny DeVito in that role. He really just goes for broke, and it's so good. Like, yeah, he should have got an Oscar from that movie. It's it's quite incredible. I'm like, he even on set just stayed in character, whole method and all that. But, um, but yeah, yeah, it just came out on 4K, and that's the reason why I'm bringing it to your attention again because it, it looks really great on 4K. Like, uh, both, well, actually, all of them look good, but, um just the Burton ones. I grew up on the Burton ones and, uh, Michael Keaton is Batman to me. And I love, uh, the first one with Jack Nicholson, but the, the second one is the one I pro- uh, perhaps watched the most. Uh, I guess just cause it came out, uh, uh, when I was growing up in the nineties. And so, uh, it was just one that I watched a lot and I enjoy it. Uh, it's, uh, I, at the same time, I'm like, I would, even allow my younger self to watch this movie that somehow i watched it and uh i turned out fine um but it's it's just so dark and gothic and disturbing and uh exciting and uh love all the characters outside of just uh penguin but michelle pfeiffer is catwoman and uh, christopher walken um as is like a business character and 
Um, I don't know. There's just a lot, a lot of stuff going on. Really great imagery, and I love uh, Burton's like earlier years when he uh, just believed in practical effects. I guess just because computers weren't really around, and now he's just like gets off on that, and I don't understand. Um, but just, just how fake the world feels but real at the same time it's kind of hard to explain but like the world it like gotham feels like an actual gotham city it doesn't feel like it's uh parts of new york and parts of chicago all blend in tokyo and wherever else all blend uh blended together um it, it feels like its own like city like that kind of like nasty dirty new New York where like the streets are always like so wet and dark and uh, I always love movies that uh, take place during that time uh, I just think there's such a uh, a unique aesthetic to have in a film and um, I love that Burton just kind of capitalized on that and used like all these like matte paintings and uh, all sorts of stuff to just kind of like sell that world and the the blues and blacks and purples they just like look so incredible on 4k and uh within that world and um so uh i think the movie's uh damn scary um and uh yeah like i said very disturbing but uh very good so uh if you have a 4k player pick up that uh 4k copy of batman returns and go ahead and get the first one too uh, batman forever does not hold up as well as i remember uh, it's way more goofy uh, than I remember, but uh, and then Batman and Robin, I think we all know where that one sits. So uh, yeah, just stick with those Burton ones. There you go, Batman Returns, Danny DeVito, Penguin, and Zombie Black Summer. Good stuff. Good bloody recommendations. Uh, yeah, let's move on to our main event, our main feature presentation of the fifty fourth episode we're very excited night of the comet from 1984 american horror comedy film uh it's insane so this movie was directed by tom eberhart who uh wrote honey i blew up the kid and captain ron <laughs> but also <laughs> wrote and directed night of the comet <laughs> And, uh, yeah, he, uh, this is crazy. This movie was made on a pretty cheap budget for about half a million dollars back then. And it ended up making like $15 million. It did well. Uh, and then over time, Joss Whedon really liked this movie and kind yeah. of from the character of this movie, uh, inspired Samantha. him to create a uh, Buffy, Buffy Summers, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And if you go, to Rotten Tomatoes, there. This movie is a fresh tomato meter rating, um, and you see it, and you're just like, "Really?" And you read the the synopsis, you're like, "What?" But it actually is really good. It all came together um, for this film, and it's just it's it's fun to watch. So basically, what this film really is about, like, not going into like too much spoiler territory. Uh, there is a comet that people are looking forward to passing by Earth. When it passes by Earth, it basically turns everybody into dust. It, like, wipes out yeah. everybody. Yeah, Thanos went full 
Went full regalia. Yeah, the, the full regalia there. He, he, he saw this movie and was like, I'm snapping my fingers, everybody goes to dust. Now, there's a very small population of people who didn't get turned to dust, but are now actually uh, bloodthirsty zombies that want to kill you. And then the survivors, the actual human survivors, uh, look to be, while the comet passed, were inside in an all-steel contraption, whether it be an 18-wheeler or a movie theater projection room or something like that. So there's a, there's only a couple people. So this movie kind of follows these two sisters who are trying to uh, escape or survive this place. And they kind of hole up in a radio station for a lot of the film. Uh, and then well, it just goes, goes from there. Preston, what do you think? Yeah. Um, I like this movie a lot. It's, uh, it, with a premise like this, like they it could just go big and it could be like, uh, I'm sure if they remade it today, wouldn't have that whole, uh, subplot of, of like scientists trying to have like, like have that mentality of like Blade Runner, like trying to add time to their, to, uh, their time. Um, cause they're, they're dying. Um, and so uh, it probably wouldn't have that whole thing. It would focus probably entirely on just them uh, killing zombies and killing the people out there and just having fun and going in the mall and all that. So all that stuff's really, really great. And Samantha's character, which is what Josh Whedon based the buff off of, uh, like down to like, I think there's even a dog named Buffy in the movie um, or something like that. Yes. And, um, they're just, uh, they're really strong female characters and, um, their dialogue's really great. They have so many good lines, especially Samantha. Um, uh, there, there's a course that the, the bit at the end, um, uh, which I guess we can discuss more later once we actually get into spoiler territory. But, uh, one of the things that Brian and I were talking about before we recorded this podcast was the scene between her and her mother and, Step-mother, uh, she says I guess, right. Yeah, Step yeah, mother, yeah, and says something like, uh, "You have an asshole. You don't need so and so in your life." Uh, and then they punch each other. They, they, um, like they they slap each other, once, and then they go to the punch. and then they go to fists. <laughs> it's just yeah. like whoa! In the middle of a gigantic Escalated party, real quickly. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the guy has a trident, and you're you're looking at us like whoa, whoa, wow, what just happened? Yeah, so I don't know. There's like all these like really small like kind of human moments, or like the way the kind of comments that they make, or just like the kind of stuff that you maybe are are thinking but wouldn't necessarily say out loud. It's just like you know when you're watching like a comedy special and then they say something so funny and you're like, oh my god, that's so true. Like there's just like so many moments like that throughout. It's just uh, it's dialed back. Uh, there's uh, when the zombie moments happen, they're good and. Um, but most of the time it, it spins, which, which you can, you can hate, but then at the same time you can appreciate once you, uh, finish the whole thing and look at it in retrospect that it takes a kind of different direction and it feels smaller and more contained. And I like movies that are kind of like contained like this, where, um, they have like a lot of big ideas, but the way that they go about it is just very kind of, it's very small and feels more focused. And, and I think that's what makes me uh, appreciate this movie so much is that it has really good characters, has really good dialogue, 
has smart moments, smart character moments, and uh, has the thrills and uh, it, it looks cool. Like they do cool stuff with like uh, filters to make the the town uh, look like it's something from like Terminator Two, all sun scorched and all that. Um, so I don't know. There's a lot going on here. There's a lot of creativity going on here, and so it's. Uh, there, it's a movie that should be uh, mentioned more often, especially when they talk about, oh, what's some strong female characters? And a lot of people go to Ripley, and, and this one should be up there too. No, um, they should it, talk about Catherine Mary Stewart playing Reggie because yeah. like, even in the start, she's a badass. She's like playing video games and talking back to her boss. And then when you know she comes in contact with a zombie at first, like it's like no joke. She is like, I will kick your ass. <laughs> And yeah, it's just... she has really uh, that that whole scene of like uh, the next morning, which is also kind of funny that the movie's called Night of the Comet, which really it's uh, the day after Night of the Comet. Yes, um, <laughs> the day but, after tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> the yeah, um, but so the day after um, the morning when she wakes up and she's asleep in the projector room, she has like this nice. <laughs> back and forth with uh, the guy that she sleeps with and stays there with um, who is like trying to work out this whole deal of selling a bootleg copy of a, of a movie invasion from outer space. Right. Which Something it like seems that. like that's like your character press and your he's like doing movie stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Still, still doing those deals after it happened. Um, but she, he's like, uh, I'm going to go out and he's like, I haven't heard from him. I'm going to go out and, uh, and find them. And then, uh, it's like, what am I? Sp-? And I was like, Oh, if anybody calls, tell them I'm really pissed and I'm looking for him. And he's like, what do you want? And then what do you want me to do? I was like, what about my $15? I was like, you'll tell them you're pissed too. Uh, cause <laughs> I, I guess, line. uh, they, they worked it out. Where, uh, stay with him and sleep with him and get $15. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. They, they just like, uh, with all the stuff that if they didn't have like those kind of jokes in there, like people would be picking apart today. But the fact that they have those jokes in there, it's just like, like this movie can have fun, even if it's, uh, uh, maybe not, it doesn't go so well with, uh, the, the progressive ideas of today, but, um, it's just so much fun. Like, especially the mall sequence, like that's, that's a fantasy that we all kind of have is to kind of just go on a shopping spree and there's like nobody in there. Yeah. We saw it in Dawn of the dead, both the remake and the original. And you're just like, Oh, I will go into a mall and I'm going to try everything on. I'm going to try all the sporting good stuff out. I, you know, do all this fun stuff. And there's like a sequence where, you know, these two sisters are like, you know, trying on fancy dresses and going out and stuff like that. And, you know, it's fun to watch because I really believe that is like true to life. People would actually do that. Yeah. And, uh, I guess we could also talk about the soundtrack soundtracks. Fantastic. Uh, for this movie. Um, I'm a big sucker for eighties music and this is a soundtrack that I like to blast all the time. Um, and, uh, it it finds like, it kind of like a guardians of the galaxy where it's not, uh, it's not like Suicide Squad where it just kind of throws that music in there to be like, hey, you're having a good time. Uh, but it doesn't like find like subtle or nuanced ways to kind of like bring them up or incorporate them. And like this, that, you know, they go to the radio station. So the radio is a part of it. And so they got good music there and it just kind of exists uh, throughout the, the rest of the movie. And so kind of like Guardians of the Galaxy, it just uh, uses like the, the playlist uh 
that they have in Guardians of the Galaxy to kind of just uh, have fun and like work within the moments uh, throughout the film. And this is what happens here. And so, um, I don't know. I really like the soundtrack. Yeah. I like the soundtrack too. And like another part of the film besides, besides them running around, did you, did you like the scientists, uh, storyline where there was like a group of scientists trying to take kids, uh, kidnap kids, uh, for like a cure. Uh, uh yeah. Uh, I, I kind of wanted them to just lean more into, uh, just having fun and going around and then, um, and then just encountering a, a zombie every now and then I, I kind of wanted to lean more into that. But, uh, like I said, like when you look at it a little, little bit, a little bit later, I, I've, grown to appreciate it um especially over time that they try to have like all these ideas that they want to throw in here and it maybe it doesn't like work super well but i it's cool that they're making an effort to try to feel uh more unique than just being uh like hey here's another reason uh, uh or here's the source of what causes the zombie apocalypse and then that's the only thing that makes it different. Uh, this one, they're at least trying to find unique ways to be different. And I, I think it, I think it works. Um, uh, not as well as it could have, um, cause it kind of feels like it comes out of left field, but I, I think it works. There you go. Um, yeah, I think it what does about you? work. I know. I, I, th- I think the movie still holds up like completely. And you know, while that story wasn't really too fleshed out, I would much rather just see them going, you know, trying to survive. The aspect of these people, these scientists trying to kidnap kids because they're like, yeah, we want to find a cure, but we're going at a really terrible way. I just thought it got in the way of like what, how fun the movie could be. But yeah. still, I still love it. Like, I still like what they did here because that scientist is kind of like a back burner thing as opposed to what their movie is really about. And I think just any time the two sisters are on screen is gold. So, uh, I, I like it. I, I, I thoroughly like it. I, I really enjoy when they're the guy they meet at the beginning of the film that helps him out, goes back to his hometown. Looking goes like to Eric his house. Estrada. Yeah, Eric Strada. He goes back to his like mother's house and like just like there's zombies chasing him through the house and he's like running through <laughs> doors and all it's just funny to me. It just it just seems realistic. So mm-hmm. and, and his it, cowboy moment. Yes. And uh and it also looks like uh they're remaking this movie. Uh they have hired Roxanne Benjamin, who is a producer on VHS and VH two or VHS two uh to write and direct a Night of the Comet movie uh, remake for Orion Pictures. So mm. hopefully that's in the process of pre-production and being written because hopefully they kind of keep that same tone of the original in this new one and not make it like very politically correct or anything. Just have fun with it, you know? Yeah, uh, just focus entirely on the dynamic between the sisters, uh, the relationship between the sisters, which is uh, the best ingredient of the entire film. I agree. I totally agree with that. Uh, But yeah, Night of the Comet, it is a a fantastic film. It is, it's just, it's something you're going to want to 
buy or watch or own. You can watch it on Amazon Prime, I believe. Uh, and also, there was a collector's edition on Blu-ray from Scream Factory that came out several years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you're going to want to watch it. It's, it's, it's that fun. And there's a reason why it has such a high rating with a lot of critics. And it made quite a bit of money you know for the type of movie it is back in the day i think just people kind of flock to it what do you think yeah absolutely uh i i would uh i think you can actually watch it for free on youtube that's a terrible thing to say but you can watch it for free on youtube uh but i do have the collector's edition from a scream factory and um like i've uh, said for the longest time horror movies are so great to watch in uh high definition yes they um, are because you get – like in this movie, you'll extras. see all the practical effects, the zombie makeup in 1984, <laughs> you know, like really see the latex. And I like that. It's good. Yeah, it gives a character. I mean like you could even uh, watch like the, the city sequences where it's made to look like a wasteland. And if you look hard enough, you can like see like cars going by or like – <laughs> A, a guy like walking in the distance yeah. or something like that, which is, which is fun. Uh, it, it gives it more character that they, you know, they tried to sell that whole feel. Like even 28 days later made a pay tribute to this uh, film by, uh, cause there's a sequence where uh, Regina's walking around and there's uh, 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 what, what kind of car was it? I think it was a, uh, uh, Mercedes or something like that, and they they show a Mercedes uh, when uh, Killian Murphy's uh, walking around in Twenty Eight Days Later. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's good stuff, man. Night of the Comet's super fun. I think there's elements of John Carpenter in this fo- in this movie, elements of like the com- comical side of Sam Raimi. Uh, it just it's, it's good stuff, and yeah, Night of the Comet. I I I recommend this for sure. I think you'll have a good time with it. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that wraps up our 54th episode of my bloody podcast next week. I do believe we will have a special guest on. Hopefully James Cole clay will be joining us for uh, the dead. Don't die. New movie coming out in theaters by Jim Jarmusch zombies with Bill Murray, Adam driver, Chloe 70, Tilda Swinton, Danny Glover, Steve Buscemi. Oh God. Uh, I believe that will be the next week, right? Yep, that's it. Yeah, so stay tuned for that. Uh, We are My Bloody Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. Please subscribe. And I'm Brian Kluger, BoomstickComics.com and HighDefDigest.com. We can see all movies, reviews, Blu-ray reviews, high-def reviews, good stuff. And Preston is all over the world and the internet doing God knows what, but you can find him at. Yeah. I've uploaded my consciousness up to the internet too. Um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Preston Barta, B-A-R-T-A and on Instagram, same handle. And, uh, you can find all my writing, my Blu-ray reviews, theatrical reviews, interviews, articles. Uh, I released my, uh, favorite movies, uh, thus far since we're at the half year mark and uh book smart is that number one brian um boo <laughs> you haven't seen it yet shut your mouth <laughs> i can't wait to see it though so i could tell you what i or feel I'll say about that it. what's that line from zach and miriam make a porn is like you better shut your mouth or i'm gonna fuck it <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, you were out there. I'm gonna fucking look me in the eyes, or I can't come. Yeah, so you can find all my writing on freshfiction.tv, where I'm the features editor, and on the Ditton Rick Chronicle, uh, which is dittonrc.com, uh, under the Entertainment Movies tab. Um, so there, where I am. Good deal, and it's always a pleasure, Preston, doing these with you. And Night of the Comet. Black Summer, Batman Returns. Do it, do it, do it.